Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Welcome to episode 82. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Sitting in the captain's chair this time, it's a hero's time, boys. And this is one of those that we bumped. We inserted this one here uh, because it's timely. Uh, uh, Sean Connery is who we're going to talk about. I don't know why it took us so long to actually talk about him, but... His recent passing, it's only just a few weeks as when we record this, and if you've been paying attention on uh, online, stories about him are everywhere. <laughs> I mean, he, is, uh, he was quintessentially one of the greatest actors ever of his craft. We can all say that, I think. Uh, he was also considered to be the greatest living Scotsman, <laughs> uh, a post which is now vacant, they're telling us, uh, with his passing at the age of 90. Uh, he hadn't lived in Scotland for years. Uh, he, he's lived in Bahamas yeah, yeah. for a long time. He had, I know, his wife is French. Uh, Micheline Rochebrun was is her is her name. She, if you ever seen the pictures of the two of them together, they were a cute couple. But my God, he's like twice her size. She's actually kind of short, mm. and of course he was very tall. So it's kind of weird to see them uh, together. But they they actually had an amazing love story, which is uh, which is fun in and of itself. Uh, we're going to explore that. It's kind of going to be personal yeah. uh, because of what we remember. Uh, as we know, the craft. For us, it's all about somebody that does their craft well. That's attractive to us. Yeah. We are They are heroes to us. But also for a hero, there's usually a component of the personal life. Absolutely. That we find. And you mentioned the marriage, and I know that's always a big one for you. Sure. Somebody with... Even if it's their second go around, which it was. it was for Connery, right? Uh, that ended up with a very successful marriage is is appealing uh, for us as well. But yeah, I mean Connery, uh, a ton of titles, a man's man. Yes, you know one of those guys uh, that's just always kind of that epitome of masculinity. Yeah, and not of, toxic masculinity. Not at by all. The way. Not at all. Uh, uh, he he was he did a Playboy interview in '64 that he gets a little grief of. At the time, because he talked about it was right to hit a woman on certain in certain circumstances, <laughs> in '64 even that was kind of wait a minute. I've, I've read it. It's yeah. kind of a strange way it was phrased. It's almost like they were trying to entrap him in something. Yeah. My reading, not not otherwise. Yeah. Nevertheless, the man proved himself to grow beyond that, yeah. and I think that's one of the things we want to stress. Yeah, personal growth is a great quality, and he certainly had that. Uh, uh, testimony after testimony after testimony by people that starred in things with him. Uh, speak of his couth, of his generosity. Alec Baldwin, uh, who was it was one of his first movies, Hunt for Red October, uh, to co-star with him. Of course, Connery at that time was still the big dog. I mean, he he was the command yes. lead of that. And Baldwin today says that you know he treated me with such kindness, and he didn't have to. Uh, as a young and up and coming actor, starring with a le- still at the time a legend. Starting with several legends. That's right. You know, that was no small cast in certain spots. So, Oh, absolutely. Although, really, he has only small interaction with many of them because, you know, it takes place on subs. <laughs> you, you know, this group can fill all of their scenes and they don't see anybody else in the entire movie. Well, that's, that's really true. I mean, you've got Sam Neill and you've got Sean But that Connery. was early for him, too. That's correct. Yeah, he was. And James he, Earl Jones James really Earl, is the other titan. He is at that time uh, of that film. Yeah, that's right. And he he has, but he, he never actually he never interacts with Sean Connery at all. Yeah, ironically enough, uh, although Alec Baldwin is sort of meant to be the star, not the star of the movie, 
but the the beginning well, of a the franchise. Hero. He's the hero of the franchise yeah. that they were trying yeah. to set up. And of course, it doesn't pan out because Harrison Ford comes in, and there's some controversy about how all that happened. If you talk to Alec Baldwin, you talk to Harrison Ford, talk to some of the people that are around it. Eh, there's there's conflicts with regards to that. Yeah, it never. I, I'm not a huge it, Baldwin fan. But in that movie, he, he was, was terrific. He was terrific in that as, as Jack Ryan, and I would have liked to have seen him continue. I would yes. have too. I think it, I think it's a missed opportunity. Much as we love Harrison Ford, yeah, uh, who, who is who's very very capable in many ways. Uh, and Patriot Games and uh, the Sum of All Fears, uh, uh, no, Clear and Present Danger. Clear and Present Sorry. Danger. Uh, yeah. um, those were good movies, but I don't know. Anyway, this is about Sean Connery. We're yes. talking about. We don't. We, <laughs> not we don't Tom want, Clancy. Not Tom Clancy. Which, hey, that's that's a, a subject for another day, perhaps. But uh, his bio is well known. You know, we kind of start out with a lot of that. He's Scottish. He starts Scottish. out. Of, yeah, this is right. not Scottish. It's crap. That's right. Absolutely, we've got to talk about that just a little bit. But uh, he he was a working class guy. He oh, was yeah. a mason at one point and yeah. a painter. Yeah. In fact, his brother, like house painter, not. Artistic. Well, painting. that's correct. Yeah, a house man. That's what he did. He was delivered. A, uh, delivered. He was a milkman. Yeah, delivered milk. Uh, drove a truck. And, oh, I bet husbands love to see that milkman show uh, up, right? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you say that. That's true because he was very, very handsome in the you know, especially in the forties and fifties. Boxer too, right? He did some of that in his very early days. <coughs> well, it's from he grew up in a time when you did whatever was required to put food yeah, in the whatever, table. Yeah, whatever that is exactly right. You would and do. he actually became a male model. Uh, yes. Well, not it's not quite fair. He competed in a bodybuilding competition. Uh, George Lazenby was an actual model. I don't want to get those two confused. Uh, and he he was a contender for Mr. World. And you can still see the pictures of the guy out here. This is before he ever got his big break uh, in acting. Uh, and he was, in many respects, kind of what you see is what you get. He's a he's a he comes off as a movie tough guy because that's what he is. Ironically enough, his his younger brother Neil, who is still around actually. Uh, was brought in to do a movie in the late 60s, kind of spoofing the whole spy genre across across the pond, as it were, in Europe. It was called O'Connery, mm-hmm. believe it or not. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was definitely, and it, and it had several stars from the James Bond franchise in it. Bernard Lee was in it, Lois Maxwell was in it, who played Money Penny and M, as well as uh, Lucio, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, the guy who played uh, the villain in Thunderball. Adolfo Celli. Adolfo Celli, thank you. I don't know why I was going to look you. Emilio Largo. Emilio Largo, thank you very much. As well as my personal favorite Bond girl, Daniela Bianchi, who herself was Italian. It was made in Italy, uh, was in that. In the United States, it was released under the title Operation Kid Brother. Mm. And it's a spoof. And the bro- his brother, Neil, who looks a hell of a lot like him, played the guy who is supposedly the younger brother of the great spy. That's a big spoof. Uh, Neil was a bricklayer. <laughs> and, af- and Sean himself said after this, is, yeah, they brought in Neil for one movie, but he didn't. It wasn't for him, so he went back to laying bricks after that. Well, it's the interesting thing here is, yeah, very much a working class guy. Mm-hmm. But then suddenly he's in films where he's in a tuxedo playing... Baccarat uh, with Italian, you know. Adolfo Celli. Ado- yes, I thought I saw a specter at your shoulder. That's from Thunderball. Uh, um, so what, you know, to show what a great actor he is, to go from that background to that role. Great, he had some help. Terrence Young, mm-hmm. the director of uh, Dr. No, I think it was, it was, the first appearance, really helped 
him. Uh, it really showed him how to be that playboy mm-hmm. type person. Yeah, Fleming was not didn't really want him for for the role originally. He yeah. was too much of an unknown. He'd only done like two or three roles at that time. Yeah. Uh, the the probably the only one that's of any note was Darby O'Gill and the Little People for uh, Disney of all longest things. day. That's right. He had done the longest day, but it was a, it was still a bit part. It, it was, was a bit part, but it's interesting because he's very memorable in it, and he you. It's a great contrast, yeah, to his uh, Bond character because mm. even the early on, the very first Bond, Sean Connery is comes off as suave, and debonair, very, yeah. dangerous, yes, but very much still, so. he's that ladies' man spy that is the the trope. Whereas in the longest day. He's everything that is not. Mm-hmm. And so you can see the fact that he could... Now granted, he's probably a little bit more of himself in that first one in The Longest Day. Right. But you can see how far he goes from that character yeah. to becoming he, Bond. He plays a person, a soldier mm-hmm. in uh, that in Lord Lobat's commando yes. group, right? Yes. They land on the beach and have to relieve uh, mm-hmm. the paratroopers at the bridge. And he's very much that working class accent... And hates the guy with the pipes and <laughs> all that stuff. Right. It's it's a very different because we, we usually see that picture after the fact, at least we do, and see him as Sean Connery, and it's hard to reconcile. We just think he's being a great actor, and he really was. But it's a bit part. It's, he's more like being himself. <laughs> a lot of the polish that came would come after that. Yeah. Like I said, Fleming didn't want him. He wanted Cary Grant actually, but. Uh, Grant had the sophistication. He did North by Northwest not long after that, and showed he could do something of that. Yeah. But he he considered himself too old. He said because he knew it was going to be a franchise, right? Because right. the books, were, most of the books were already written, and he said, you know, I'm not going to sign on for that. And not that he didn't necessarily want to. He's just I'm just too old for it. Because he was like he was in his fifties. John Connery is you know he's much much younger. Yeah. And let's face it, if anybody could have done Bond at that time. Cary Grant would have been awesome. Cary it would have, it would have been very different. It would have been different. It yes. would not have had the dangerousness. Well, and I think I the think. the sexual overtones probably would not have flown with him. Yeah, uh, maybe not personally, but I just I just don't think it would have worked as well. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he's because yeah, uh, Bond has a masculinity about him that in a sex appeal. Yeah. That Sean Connery brought to that role. Yeah. Uh, the women it's just a little bit more raw than the, it is because because Gary Gary Grant he had his own sex appeal he had I mean he women were his all was over very that. sophisticated though. but it was a very different kind yeah uh, and and Connery's was a rough and tumble My, to me the epic scene that dis- defines him as Bond as that type of dangerous Bond is him and um, Robert Shaw in the train. At the yeah. end of From Russia with Love, which is almost directly, it's almost scene for scene from the book itself. Yeah. That scene is in there. It's one of the few films that's a really, really close adaptation. It, it's of not, a book. yeah. There were a few others. Our Majesty's Secret Service was too, even though that's not Connery. But it was, it was because it was so perfect. It was yeah. one of, I mean, John F. Kennedy loved that book. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things that kind of brought the Bond. Uh, books into the American consciousness because this was before the books and before the movies were made. Was Kennedy really liked that, and it's still my favorite. And that scene where he basically outwits against enormous odds and turns the tables on something that should not happen. It's only mm-hmm. because they say it. Lotta Linya says it later in the in the thing. They said that this plan was perfect. How did it fail? She goes, except for one thing. They were dealing with Bond. <laughs> and to me, that kind of lays out this. This guy is a badass. 
He is somebody you do not mess with. Yeah. And that's kind of, even though it would get a little bit unbelievable at times after that, he still carried that all the way through. And I don't yeah. want this to turn into a James Bond type No, because we've already done our we've James Bond. We've done our James Bond, Bond, Bond But it's <clears> foundational <throat> for Sean Connery <clears throat> because he was that, it was well, that good. It, it led to everything else that he was going to do. That's right, because it made him a star. In fact, he even hated it. I don't think he was prepared for it. He would say this in later interviews. Uh, Dr. No was a great break. From Russia with Love is a fantastic one. Showed, okay, we got some legs, but it was Goldfinger that all of a sudden, whoosh, that took that thing to international stardom. <clears throat> and he said by the time Goldfinger was done, he didn't like that. He was a very private guy. Yeah. yeah. And he just... Hence the move to the Bahamas. That's right. Yeah, he uh, he's a fa- actually a family man. Uh, Diane Chilento, his first wife... Oh, by the way, guys, I'll give you a trivia question. You know what movie she was in that we've talked about here? Uh... Oh yes, um, you guys should know this. I don't, you might not, but I bet you he does. Uh, the agony and the ecstasy. Absolutely, she ah. plays. She played Cartesina de Medici in that movie. It was she's she's Italian, uh, and uh, she was the the female lead in the agony and the ecstasy, which was she was married to Sean Connery at the time. Wow! Actually, they had one son, Jason, who's still around. Uh, yeah. He actually played Ian Fleming in a TV uh, movie. Uh, in the 90s, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's he did a great job. of an acting career. Yeah, he's, he's done a pretty good job. Uh, and uh, but he's the, he's Sean Connery's only biological child. Yeah, uh, it was with Diane Chilento. In fact, she went to um, Japan uh, for You Only Live Twice because so much of that was filmed on location in there. And the uh, the diving girls in that movie, you know, that's kind of around. That's part of the book, actually. Yeah. Uh, they didn't know how to dive. <laughs> so it was Diane Chilento who actually put on a wig, got in the pool, and showed them how to swim, how to dive in the way they were supposed to yeah. wow. for that, which is it's Connery's wife at the time. Uh, yeah, you know, um, that's in the aftermath of his passing. That's something that I saw quite a bit uh, in, in the eulogizing Connery is that everybody liked him. That's correct. Michael Caine, lifelong friend. Lifelong friend. They were and, fantastic together in The yes. Man Who Would Be King. Uh, uh, perhaps it, one of his greatest roles. It just roles. really had a lot of good things about, again, that kindness, that generosity. Kuth is one of the words yeah, I've heard just used really to describe him. decent with other people. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic story to go from delivering milk and laying bricks to Bond and to think... To have everyone in the world think that you basically are that person, um, I mean, to its de- it, with its detriments that yeah, went along with uh, that. Yeah, I mean, it, it really became that Connery was Bond. There was no difference. Yeah, As I mean, it's and one it, of those first things of people couldn't separate the man from the character. And that's why he him. left when he did. Unfortunately, he left one movie too early, in my opinion. I wish he just stuck it out through Honor Majesty's Secret Service because that's still one of the best movies ever. It would have been primo, undoubtedly number one if. Connery had played it. Yeah. Irony of ironies, he comes back again because they offered him a truckload of money, mind you. Why do you uh, keep writing all those books? Because they, they keep paying me. That's right. <laughs> uh, they, uh, they wanted him. Uh, they didn't want... Lazenby wasn't going to come back. Uh, and they were able to convince Connery to do so because he gave most of his salary to a Scottish charity. Yes, I remember reading something. Yeah, that's, that, yeah. he says, well, I'll do it. But, you know, you got, A, it's just one and let's do this. And uh, I remember reading... Cause now th- think about that. So you always think about uh, actors and actresses, you know, being rich and having the life. But think about because think about the the first of all, they didn't make the kind of money then that they do today. That's right. Yeah. And think about the ability 
to spend six months to a year on a, of your life not earning any money. So he now was that's either how man. well off he was yeah. or how simply he lived. I might have been a combination. I guess part of that, part of both of those type of things on that. Uh, but also so unconcerned that he could, he could give away an entire year's income, basically. Well, he probably, loved his craft, too. That had a lot yes. to do with it. Probably it helped him escape to it. Uh, escape an enormous British tax bill as well. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. There's that. And it was right around the time he was going through a divorce, too, if I'm not mistaken. It was the early 70s, and Diamonds Are Forever is the movie we're talking about. Uh, came out in 71. That I think that's your favorite of his movies, Bond, of his favorite Bond movies. It's one of my favorites. Hey, I love them all. I'm with, with, with the acknowledgement that, yeah, there are some serious weaknesses to the film yes. and the plot and, and stuff, but... It was fun. Um, Jill St. John is one of my favorite Bond girls. Yes, uh, you've mentioned that. Tiffany Case. And there's just a couple of really good lines. There's the Lana Wood walks up to him and says, Hi, I'm Plenty. But of course you are. As he looks at her uh, (laughs) uh, beautiful endowments. (laughs) As she sticks, you know, the the sexualization, it was always there. But it got, in the 70s, it got far more overt. Yes. Plenty O'Toole. Named after your father, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it, it's it, that was a, that was also the James Bond's first trip to America because most of that movie takes place in Las Vegas. Las Vegas, yeah. So it, it, it did the book, so it's a little bit it's 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 different. It's uh, they they kind of went off yeah. some rails on that. I remember reading a, an article about him in that and it said he brought an old prose grace to the role. Yeah, and that's kind of lets you know that yeah, he he had come into his own. His craft was fully formed. By the time he did that one, because remember, and I want to kind of move us forward in time, he did a crap load of movies after that. Yeah, in the yeah, I want he was, to, I want he was to get constantly there. working. Uh, he could he was a he was a bankable star. Yes, he could pick his own roles, sort of, but he but he got it was dangers of typecasting. He didn't get all the roles offered to him until later. Yeah, by the time he hits Red October. Uh, then he will do whatever, whatever he'll pick his roles and do whatever he wants as a strong leading man. Uh, but before that, some of these movies, I don't want to say they were obscure. Some of them were. Zardoz is. Zardoz is considered his worst. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to go there. Uh, it was a sci-fi. Everybody's got a worst. I mean, you it know. Is. Well, you know, the mankini. Yeah, that's what he, he spends the whole damn movie with a long ponytail uh, and a mankini. Uh, and and straps. I mean, it's 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 just kind of awful. Weird. It's pretty weird. Uh, and he, but he also did great movies around that time too. The Man Who Would Be King. I mentioned that already. Yes. It's one of his greatest roles. He even says so. Yeah. Michael Caine was in it with him. Of course, you know, hey, there's we love Michael Caine. Certainly, yeah. he's a he's a. Well, in the Wind and the Lion, he does tremendous. that in the '70s, which was in a Murder on the Orient Express. Murder on the Orient Express. He did, which was really, mm-hmm. which you know, that movie keeps getting made over and over again. It's such a great story. Yeah. Uh, he did a fantastic. A fantastic a job with that one. Uh, and then Robin later... Marion. Yeah, Robin later. Mar- Surprisingly. Yeah. I, I saw that in theaters, actually. Oh, by, really? I, by accident. I wasn't supposed saying, to. Because that's 1976. That's right. It was an accident. I went with, I went with my aunt. Uh, because it came out at the same time and there wasn't really anything else to see. But I was into Robin Hood at the time. And it's the aging Robin Hood. Again, opposite the Sheriff of Nottingham played by Robert Shaw. Robert, one of Robert Shaw's last Ooh. roles. It was actually... Just right after Jaws, if I'm not mistaken, uh, very different character than Quinn, obviously. Uh, but it, it, it's really an awesome, very against type. Uh, it was 
he's trying to break out of that Bond role and show, you know, I'm a serious actor that can do some really great stuff. Mm-hmm. Another movie that he did around that time um, was Outland, which I know, oh, yes. I know yes. we all love that one. One of my favorite lines, and we have to have Actually, Sean. it's five years later. That's true. It was in the 70s. I didn't realize it was that. Yeah, 1981. Was it really? Yes, Outland is an 80s movie. Yep, it sure was. Yeah, Yeah, he did Meteor. uh, uh, That's the one I'm thinking of. That that was kind of a... That was 1978. That was kind of a stinky one. Well, you know, that's jumping on the the disaster movie thing. Correct. I mean, he's, you know, people have got to pay you and hire you to do movies that are selling. So, yeah, you kind of... At this point, he was not yet able to command, I want to do this type of movie, and you bring... And the scripts come to him with him in mind. He's filling in places like, you know, we need a lead here. Sean Connery will do it. He's a great guy. He can handle it. Yeah. Uh, And he did that. Outland is one of my favorite lines of all time, and I cannot remember... You might remember the actress he played with. It's Frances Sternhagen. That's what it? I'm thinking. It's that you exactly. She plays right. Doctor Lazarus, right? And, and you know the line. I bet you do. I will kick your nasty ass all over this room. That's right. That's exactly it. It's a. It's it's a. He's got this amazing power yeah. to him well, as Outland the leading is, man. Is a sci-fi remake of High Noon. That's correct. Absolutely. You know, uh, and it's 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 super. so well done. Uh, uh, it's it's a it's an amazing moment. Well, you know the thing that I thought, that I just love about. The man, as far as his craft goes, is there's several things, but <clears throat> when you look at his list of movies, once he started getting movies, he had a movie, uh, at least one, but usually two to three movies every year. Yeah. Aver- on average, yeah. two movies a year for, you know, not just a couple of years. I mean, it was, it spanned multiple decades, yeah. the 60s, yeah. the 70s, and into the 80s. I mean, even as late as 1989, he was in two movies. It was two movies in 88. Only one in 77, or 87, but two in 86. You know, and this constantly... kept going to 2003 when he finally said, okay, I'm done. Yes. Yeah. Is it two in 90, two in 91, 92, 93? 90, so, you know, got down to be more like one a year. Yeah. But he was, every year he yeah. was doing and, something. And these are usually starring roles. He's the lead in most of these. It's re- I mean, it's, when you get to... Um, um, the Untouchables, yeah, is where he's not really a lead, but he's you know that second, yeah, guy. Well, but he went, but and I'm glad you mentioned the Untouchables because that's when he, that's when it all changed for him because he won the Oscar, yeah, yeah, uh, and as you all know, the, the Untouchables is a freaking great movie, yeah, it is an amazing great movie. Uh, if you want to tell, if you want to keep a secret, don't tell the Bosch. <laughs> I mean, we could quote the Untouchables a lot a it, lot of times yeah I mean yeah. just a great film uh, as, as the the local Chicago cop who is incorruptible um, brings you know, a knife to a gunfight gun that's where it comes from that's yeah. right you probably heard that I bet our listeners have heard that that phrase uh, well, I think it, that existed long before that movie yeah, but, but man, that really made it popular yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's how really you did Capone yeah. yeah so you know not just the length of his career is amazing, but it is just because that's yeah. difficult. Yeah, I mean, a leading man from '64 to '91 easily. Yeah, no, in 2003 or two, well, yeah, well, he, he wasn't always leading man. Not every time, but he he was a well, you know, but he, he, was he could prominent. be. I mean, he, you know, could he be. took some movies. Some movies were small roles. Some of them were were larger, but a few. I mean, he did. Ramirez in Highlander. <laughs> Highlander. Yeah, yeah, which is just a well, great he made fun Highlander movie. because. Unfortunately, Christopher Lambert really lets that movie down. He does. It he was does. his first, it was second movie. I think he'd done. He'd done Greystoke at that point. 
uh, and it was kind of his ascendancy trying to say, okay, let's see if he can continue. And he didn't really do it. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't bad, great. but it wasn't... But he makes that movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He makes Connery that movie. Uh, one of my all-time favorites is William of Baskerville oh, Name, of the, Rose. Name of the Rose. Same year, actually. Same year, That's yes. Right. And, uh, Love that movie. Oh, yeah. That, that was a, phenomenal. It's a disturbing movie. It was based on a, uh, an amazing book. Yes. Uh, and uh, that's when... People began to realize, you know, Connery can do anything. Yep. They, you know, he's there's no typecasting going on here. That that when ship sp- has sailed. In the space of just a couple of years, he did Bond and Never Say Never Again. Love that movie. Did Ramirez and Highlander, William of Baskerville in Name of the Rose, Malone in The Untouchables, and just a couple of years later, he's doing Professor Henry Jones in Indiana oh, Jones. I, I love that. Yeah. And he, he was, does. He was tremendous. Probably my my least favorite of all of his roles, only because he just. It's so un James Bond. He plays the grandfather in Family Business with yes. Dustin Hoffman and Matthew and Broderick. Matthew Broderick, which uh, that movie was a little disturbing at times for several reasons, but it, he he brings his A game every time he's on yeah. there. In retrospect, he was great in it. Absolutely, I just was. hated seeing him like that because you know he dies a, a frail frail old man. Yeah, and, and Sean Connery wasn't supposed to do that then. Exactly, so that's that's the thing. Sean Connery doesn't die as a frail old man in that movie. Uh, now that he's passed away, you can look back at that and say, "Oh well, he just really—he just did die as a frail old man. man." That's right. Which, but mm-hmm. he also goes out. You know, he has a long, long. I mean, he's got a few stinkers, but not sure. many. I mean, Highlander Two was. I mean, come on. It, that's it, another one of those. Why stumped. are you doing this? Because they're, they're paying, paying me. me. That's yeah. right. He was able well, to do yeah, that. That's Michael Caine in the Jaws: The Revenge. Yes. I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen the house it bought. That's, okay. I was hoping <laughs> you were going to say that because that's an amazing. Yeah, because yes. they're they're, they're well, really they're, are... you know, of course, uh, Agamemnon and Time Bandits, yes. which I know is something you guys will. Love. I love. Oh, Time I, I love Bandits. Time Bandits. It's really great. Oh, well, I, mean, it's so he, great. I mean, it was worth it because he's in it. See, it got to the point for me, and I suspect you guys are the same way. If Sean Connery was in the movie, I'm going to go see it. I don't care. That's all you had to tell me. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 close I was. To that, yeah. yeah, there was. There's not a single movie of his, and I and I and I want to say I've seen them all. I, I think so. Uh, he, I mean, the '90s were perhaps uh, up until the until the very yeah. end at 2003 might have been his greatest time because he's doing the movies he wants to make, and he's he's the he's the big dog. He's well, the thousand know, pound gorilla, as Charlton Heston would say. Yeah, he, yeah, he he's definitely doing the the project movies. I think because you've got things like. Um, yeah, well, first of all, he does the the uh, cameo at the end of Robin Hood. Love that. I love which that was movie. just phenomenal because once you see it, you realize, oh, well, of course, who else? Of course, <laughs> yeah, <you're right. laughs> who else is that going to be? And it's only just a few moments on screen, so that's how he can easily do that. You know, right. while he's because he's the the rest. The other movie he did that year was The Highlander Two. Kind of had to cleanse the palate exactly after that stinkery. Uh, but he'd just done the Russia House too, which was right. really really good. Uh, and uh, Red October. Red October might be his biggest role. You guys kind of define biggest had, role. Well, the, the most biggest, commercial success, the one everybody the remembers him for. Biggest post Bond. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, you take you Bond out. You have to take Bond out. Yeah, because Bond is, but Bond is, you know, it's, it's five, probably the biggest commercial. Bond success is six movies, seven actually. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's the one that if you didn't know him as Bond, you would know him as Ramirez, uh, Marco uh, uh, Ramius. Ramius. That's right. Uh, you know, a Scottish guy. 
Getting away with playing a Lithuanian Lithuanian. Russian sub-captain. Very very good. That's exactly right. Yes. Because that Um, movie is still being watched today. Oh, yes. (laughs) Not all of his movies are. That's just a phenomenal movie. But yeah, I mean, he... It's it's on my list of one of those where you stop the channel, sir. Yes. We'll have to do that. I'll have to put that next time when Um, we do movies, we always have to watch part three. Yeah. That'll have to be mine. But, you know, I like... I I loved him in First Night, even. I did, too. The aging King Arthur. I thought it it was you know I'm glad you mentioned that because that movie course, does not get a lot of love. The Guinevere in there is you know one of my Julie favorites. Ormond. Yeah. Yes, she she was in her ascendancy at that time. She had done yeah, quite, she was doing quite a few. Uh, she's in a, the latest Walking Dead TV series. Is she really? Yeah, I didn't know uh, that. I didn't know what happened now, to her. Just a digress here. The latest Walking Dead TV series. I want to say it was conceived by millennials for millennials, because literally it's about a bunch of kids who are out to save the world because they're so good. Mary Sue's. And because they're so special. Oh, God. I mean, literally. That seems to be the whole point, because they're special. Dude, now, I'm, I'm sitting here drinking bourbon. You're good. You're making... I, I know, you're about to throw down. up in your mouth, I, right? I need, I need to have a palate cleanse, boys. We need to stop for a moment and talk about this yeah, wonderful bourbon. Yeah, that's a, anyways, she's a baddie in that. Now, you know... Well, that's different. It's 30 than, years past these movies. Because she was a romantic lead in a lot of those yeah. movies. I mean, Legends of the Fall, I still love that movie. I know. I hate that movie. I knew, I knew you were going to say that because we I talked hate that about movie. that. What is that one? Oh, oh, sir. Brad Pitt um, and Julia Ormond and Anthony Hopkins. Hey, it's worth showing up for Anthony Hopkins. Well, Anthony Hopkins might get me to watch. That's yeah. right. I can't uh, believe you've never seen it. I can't believe it. it's, it's I, actually. I get it mixed it's, up. It's with like the river runs through it. Yeah. Well, it's like three hours about of, the same time. Yeah. It's about three hours of what can we do to to f up uh, Brad Pitt's character. That's that's true. That's essentially the plot. It's of the meant movie. to be a western postmodern or, or like how 1900s. do we how do we ruin our lives and justify ruining our lives? Kind of emotional. Movie. Yes. Yes. That's, that's pretty uh, good. Yeah, yeah, I can't watch so, that. I can't watch people make stupid decisions. Well, this is full. Well, then, yeah, there's a... So this I is like the it. American Howard's End. Like, I, yeah. I can drive on 65 and see people making stupid decisions. I don't have to pay for a movie for that. Yeah. It, there's an epic quality to it. That's yes. why I like Visually, it. Visually, it's stunning. That's and kind there are of parts of the story that are phenomenal. And it does have Julia Armand in it. Right. Yes, that's right. Well, I'm going to have a little Debbie and let's talk bourbon. That's, that's right. right. So we're I'm still working on, uh, on the uh, quarter, quarter house. Quarter horse. Horse, sorry. Quarter, quarter horse. horse reserve. From yes. OZ Tyler Distillery, yeah, with our with our uh, stones, in our the middle soapstone. of the soapstones in the middle of the glass. That's why yeah. you're hearing every so, time I pick it up, you hear the clink, clink. Yes. Yeah, so we have returned to uh, Studio M, 30th floor of the Nakatomi Building, behind the waterfall and down the hall from Ellis. That's good. <laughs> I know that always that always gets that. So boys. There's a couple of little Debbies left in the bowl there. Y'all oh, have oh my God, I'm stuffed. I don't think I can do another one. Oh, yeah, Good for you, man. One, more. one thin little wafer. <laughs> and the cleaning lady, she can be summoned, you know. Uh, that's so, multi-person. Yeah, let's, let's not talk about emotional movies anymore. I, I'm drinking bourbon and well, you know, trying to increase my testosterone. So well, I don't want to talk about emotions. Well, yeah, I'm feeling I mean, more feminine well, just, it, it, just it, talking about this. Well, movie. I'm sorry, boys, but... Sean Connery is about as masculine and touched up well, kind of actor. Well, yes, he is the uh, the antithesis, the quintessential of man's man. There, there are there are some of those in, in Ernest Hemingway was one of those. When it yeah. comes to author, he was definitely had that. It's Sean Connery's the actor of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talk about a man's man. It's not just somebody who's 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 macho and, and sexist or not at like all. that. No, it's not toxic masculinity. No. Although I'm sure many many younger people today would would call it that because of the nature of the character in the Bond films. But the character in the Bond films 
is almost a parody of itself in some ways. That's right. And if that's all he had done, that might be a valid criticism of him. But his career started there. It did it, not end it there. Did, yeah, it, it really, that was just a almost a prologue. Yeah. Uh, because that that was getting the for, foot in the door for all the other things. That's right. That, that gave him um, the ability to be seen and to be known. And after that, it, it took him a little while. The 70s were not particularly all that great for him. Well, he had some great but stuff he had in some, there. But, well, because he, because he brought himself. Because he brought, yeah. I mean, The Wind of the Lion... My God, that's a great movie. He uh, plays uh, Rasuli. Rasuli the Mag- El Rasuli the Magnificent. <laughs> that's right. You know, he's got, and he's also. I gotta say this. He's got one of the best lines, and this is John Mealish. You guys know this. At the very end, uh, at the very last thing, there's st- he and one other guy are the uh, the only survivors, so to speak, uh, in the Arab world now that uh, America has come and taken over everything, and. Uh, Sharif is his name. He says, "Great Raizuli, we've lost everything. Everything's drifting on the wind, like you said." And in his great Sean Connery voice, of course, he says, "Sharif, is there not one thing in your life that was worth losing everything for?" <laughs> and of course, they both laugh as the credits roll. And I'm thinking, "That's yeah, that's 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 that's, you, that's, that's, worth that's it. certainly a, uh, that is a code of honor quote." Now, granted, we've just used it here, but... Oh, well, I will get there. It's Emilius, that's I, for I've sure. actually preached it before. That, it that is a quote for Conan. Very much. Is there not one thing in your life that's worth losing everything for? We, we've not done a near enough Sean Connery imitations yet. Yeah. I have to kind of throw that in. Well, I was cautioned before we started that I couldn't do <laughs> yes. The Rock... The one from The Rock, that's right. Uh, his Nicolas Cage uh, co-star film. Love that movie. It's, it is one of my favorites. And uh, it, it's, it's a fun, many, fun movie. It, it, one of the reasons he agreed to do it is because it's kind of meant to be, because he's a British agent that's been in prison. <laughs> it's kind of like supposed to be, this is where James Bond, for him, ended. And his, his opportunity... Where Bond would have really ended up. Where, where, yeah, where Bond would have really ended up. If he up. hadn't been just shot out of hand. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is kind of him playing Bond... Sort of, kind of tongue in cheek, one last time with the training wheels off, with the filters gone, uh, because you know he. Uh, uh, his That's another are... great movie, just for the people in it. You know, Ed Harris does a great, oh, yeah, great job. Oh my gosh, Ed Harris is somebody that I'll watch any movie he does. I mean, I liked The Abyss because Ed Harris yeah. was in it. Most yeah. people didn't like The Abyss, but uh, oh, I, it's a good film. It is. Mary Elizabeth was also she was. Uh, yeah, she was in the Ascendancy that. around that time too. Yeah. She had several also movies. in Robin Hood. That's right. I'd forgotten she was yes. Marion. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very good. So there's our Sean Connery link. That's right. Well, it's a very that was a very good. People blasted Costner's. Uh, well, he couldn't keep the damn accent straight. Well, and I, I get it, but you know he he pulls it off pretty well. Uh, accent aside, it's a fun movie. It's a lot better. It's far more. But there are so many realistic. great British actors. Why cast an American? Well, because because he was hot at the time. He was hot at the yeah. time. That's right. This is post Dances with Wolves. Yes. Uh, he he could he was a guy. Carrie always could... said, "Unlike some Robin Hoods, I can speak with a British accent." <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. Uh, and, and, and I will uh, and I'll actually uh, smack the other Robin Hood that was made. Uh, with Russell Crowe. You guys remember seeing that? Oh, yeah. That's fairly recent, right? It yeah, was. Recent, yeah. uh, I was expecting great things from that because I love the character. I mean, I've always loved that uh, that story. And it was awful because they decided they had to change the f- the roles around in it to make certain that Kate Blanchett, whom we, who we love, Kate, love Kate Blanchett, she's wearing armor and fighting on the beach in this movie. And I'm thinking, okay, you just lost me. There's no way a medieval woman would do that. I don't care who she is. You're, you're... Except Joan of Arc. Well, yeah, but this is it's not a little bit later. This is not it's a little that. different. This yes. is very different, and it was obviously a shoehorned. We have to show this woman, this female character, in a certain way, and I'm thinking you just 
made something that's unrealistic. And my suspension, my suspension you of disbelief. Because strong without making her a warrior. Well, that's exactly it. And see, that's lazy writing. That's that's that is uh, projecting something into it that doesn't need to be there. Because Kate Blanchett, as we know, can be a very badass actress. She's oh yeah. I mean, Hela in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Come on, phenomenal. Uh, she, in that. she deserved oh, better. Ragnarok. That movie deserved better writing because it had a great cast. But that's, it's still that's, pretty darn good because I love the whole really tight in Hulk world. No, 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 the, no, no. I'm talking about Robin, Robin Hood. Robin oh, Robin Hood. Hood. Yeah, I'm yes. sorry. Yes, yes. Ragnarok was was excellent. Ra- Ra- Ragnarok is, it deserves its own episode. We can talk about that later, though, because yeah. uh, we're still want to um, talk about Sean you know, Connery. Throw out some movies that just because again, for me, it's the breadth of the skill that these show. You know, we yes. talked about uh, uh, the Rock. Uh, similar one. It's kind of playing the same character. Similar character is Entrapment. Yes, with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yes, and of course, everybody remembers that movie just for the scene where she's snaking her way through the the, the laser laser things. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of like her second movie. She had just yes. come off the one uh, with her and Antonio Banderas, who my wife yes. definitely loved at one time. Uh, she when she uh, the Mark of Zorro. Uh, yes, I heard your middle name was Antonio, or had to be changed to that. No, 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 no. <laughs> no my my wife definitely loved Antonio Banderas in that movie. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but. You know, just he was really great in that. Um, Finding Forrester is His a phenomenal... second to the last movie that he did. No, that was in two thousand. Yeah, the only one he did after that. Oh was... yes, the rest were documentaries. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Those were good. Uh, and of course, he was *Leave a Extraordinary Gentleman*, which was Alan Bloody Quartermain, the legend. But I really liked *Finding Forrester*. I did too. It's great movie. It was great portrayal. Very of different. That hermit. Yeah. And no action. None it's at very all. Very cerebral. And it just he was just phenomenal in that. And again, you know, we, we we talk about craft all the time, and that's part of it. But I don't know his presence on screen. You know, the, the gravitas became real big as a, a popular word to use in the, yeah. in the early '90s. And but he's somebody who's got it. You know, he's yeah. got a presence on screen uh, and an interacting that just makes you want to watch. And that's just, that's a phenomenal thing. Not every actor has that. That's right. I mean, I would sit and watch him read the back of a cereal box. Uh, he was I mean, he was just that kind of guy. Anything he would do, I would watch it. Uh, Medicine Man's one we did talk about. Fantastic movie. Uh, Rising Sun, those were uh, the Presidio. Some oh, yeah, he, Rising Sun. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, these Wesley are action Stites. movies that he's doing, uh, but but they're not the typical by any means. Right. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that he always liked to choose. He did not want to be... He's not worried about being typecast anymore. He gets to pick the roles that come to him. Uh, I don't know that any were actually written for him, although I think Medicine Man may have been. Um, that Most of the others are just... These are movies out here that, you know, John Connery will do this. Uh, you know, one of the things I liked, <clears throat> he wasn't actually visually in Dragonheart, the voice of the yeah. dragon. That's right. I am the last one. Yeah. Because, I mean, he could use that great accented voice. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something we haven't talked about, but we really should. I'm glad you mentioned that, is the voice he brought. I mean, we've kind of parodied it a little bit because you can imitate it a little bit. Wow. Yeah. That's... It's like James Earl Jones. Yeah, that's right. You know, he, the voice alone is worth the price of admission. That's right. Yeah. Anything that he wants to speak. You know, yeah. Great, distinctive, kind of Scottish sort of But not really. Voice. I mean, because he but, was, he, but he but he could tone it down when he needed to. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah, he was very, very good at 
his he was a professional actor, as they say. He, he worked at that voice. I mean, yeah. he knew well, he that had was to because thing. it was very it was. Thick. Watch Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which is an early movie with him from Disney, and it's at his accent is much heavier there. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder, and if I recall correctly, it was Terrence Young you were talking about. Yes. Again, Terrence Young, when as the director of Dr. No, uh, begins to, to shave those edges off very of much, Connery. Terrence Young had done a lot of work for the Hammer Studios. He was a British director in his ascendancy mm-hmm. at that time because all the 50s, he's directing all these monster movies. Uh, and he's working with guys like Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. And he's just, he's one of those guys that was in demand. Yeah. Uh, and he was reputable. I mean, he was known to be a very good director. And yeah. he took Connery under his wing. Uh, and Fleming himself was was quoted as saying, he says, you know, I didn't like, I didn't want him at first. But now that I've seen how it's turned out, he says, I can't think of anybody else. By the time From Russia With Love was done, he's saying, I can't think of anybody else doing yeah. this. Because he, yeah. he was still alive. When that movie was made, he died shortly thereafter. He never saw Goldfinger. Oh man, he th- Robert, you had something else though. You wanted to? Uh, I'm you sure. Were still I'm about... sure it was going to be really pithy and, and, and extraordinary. You had something about that. You were talking about the voice though. Oh yeah, the, just the voice to me is one of the best qualities. Yeah. And Draco the Dragon, is, you know, to me that is one of the proofs of how great. Of an actor he is because not every actor can do voiceovers yeah right and do them well uh mark hamill is a great voice actor nobody will ever mistake him for an oscar winner uh, as a as a in-person actor he's a phenomenal <laughs> voice actor oh phenomenal it, it, not to go off on a tangent but mark uh mark hamill uh in the dc animated universe is known to have voiced the joker yes swamp thing yes uh the to- uh the, the trickster uh-huh and, and in live action. That's right. And there was a... When Justice League Action, which was a, a little episode, like a 10-minute episode series they did, they would put three of them together, they did an episode where those three characters were all together in the, They had to kind of contrive it a little bit. Where all three characters were in the story. So Mark Hamill could voice all three of these <laughs> characters as part of the, as the story. And he played himself... Who was kidnapped by the Joker? Oh, phenomenal! So people were asking, "Who's Mark Hamill?" And he's, of course, playing himself, the Joker, uh, the Trickster, and the Swamp and Swamp Thing, all See, together. That, there's a there's a voice. Yeah, that, that yeah, he he is great. But when you when you see something like Dragonheart, and yeah, you know it's Sean Connery immediately because of the voice, but it, it's just done so well. You know, he can still just with the voice be the it character. Is, it is one of those classic voices that you immediately know it's Sean Connery. Yeah, right. And it, and it was and they they worked. It was C, it was early days of CGI, but it was it was I, animation. Yeah, I think most of it. Yeah, I don't it was think animated. It was. Yeah, it was sort of. It was, but it was put together within Dennis Quaid and all the live action stuff yeah. like that. Uh, it was it was early for that. It's it's post Roger Roger Rabbit, so there's a seamless type of thing on that, yeah. but. The, the image of the face was modeled on Sean Connery. Yeah. It's intended to for the face to be of the dragon to be consistent with the voice that we all know. Yeah. You know, that was just, to me, that's just one of my favorites. I just really yeah. like his character in that. And, I mean, so many ones I, I could just say it's one of my favorites because he's just that much fun. Yeah. You know? That's what I wanted to do next. As, as we wind this down, I wanted to say, you got to pick... Your favorite Sean Connery moment? Oh, moment, not movie. 
Well, you can pick movie, well, uh, but moment is better. Before, I like... I wanna, before we get to that, though, there is one other thing that I think shows the reach. Okay. And, you know, how he had worked his way into the public consciousness in a really fun way. And it's it's appropriate because I think it's uh, it was like eight days apart that we also lost Alex Trebek. Yes. That's right, yeah. Uh-huh. And Oh, of course, yes. Yes, and to do a Star Trek reference, have you seen, uh, uh, of course, kicked around on the internet, who should replace Alex? Yeah, LeVar Burton, Burton was kicked about. Burton was kicked about. Oh, really? And I'm like, yeah. well, of course, that's genius. LeVar Burton would be awesome on Jeopardy. Yeah. So that's a snakes and otters vote for LeVar, LeVar Burton <laughs> oh, yeah, to get that absolutely. job. Yeah. But... Uh, Saturday Night Live in the 90s, uh, I think it was, or early aughts, had a running gag of Will Ferrell playing Alex Trebek and Daryl Hammond as Sean Connery as Celebrity Jeopardy. Yeah. And, of course, the gag is, of course, on Celebrity Jeopardy, all the questions are much, much easier than on regular Jeopardy. And even then, the celebrities often don't do very well. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, the, the categories are like, you know, a letter in your name. <laughs> and Connery, of course, comes on as this foil yeah. uh, to Trebek and calls him names and Talks sexual about, innuendo. And about his mother. Yeah. His mother. About he's, always, he's always, you know, diddling his mother uh, yeah. as he talks about him. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's brilliant. And then, of course, you know, final Jeopardy on the screen is always some kind of psych gag with something sexual about Trebek. And um, so, but, you know, it's like, of all the celebrities to pick to have this skit and have this thing, it's it's Connery, and it's brilliant. And Connery's not like that. I mean, he doesn't run, you know, he doesn't do that to people. But to have Connery come out and make fun of Alex Trebek and and well, he's also he's he, he's bringing his testosterone game. Yeah, Hammond is because it's very much about you know I'm this badass Scottish actor, you know, I don't give a rat's ass about you. Of course I'm diddling your mother, because that's what I do. That sort of thing. Uh, it's, yes, your mom says hi. You know, exactly. Yeah. I was with her last night. I mean, come on. You know. yeah. It's, 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 it's yeah, hilarious. Suck it, Trebek. Your mom says hi. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was wondering if that... I'm yeah, glad one, you, glad one, you brought one, us back just, that. It shows that reach. You can find all the those on YouTube. Of, yeah, they, there's on compilations YouTube, yes. out there that can blow through Yeah, that. the oldest so, watches them. I think it's a good way to, to end, not to steal your captain's thunder there, but I, to, to talk about what's our favorite. Yeah, well, that was my intention. That's where we... Uh, so, uh, go ahead. Yes, uh, I, I don't. I do not have to go last in this. No, you don't. You, I, mean, um, I think I like him best in the Hunt for Red October. See, that was an obvious one. One of us had to say it. I gave it to you. you yeah. Well, I to me, it's just there's the great lines. You know, I think my favorite line, that my favorite moment is the. Uh, uh, one ping, Vasily. One ping, ping only. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's right. Uh, and, and, when, and, and how he does that, and you hear the ping, and he jumps back from the periscope, like, ho- and you can see it in his face, like, holy shit, this is going to work. Right. They're on to me, but yeah, the Americans have figured this is really, out this is really going to work. Yeah. They figured this out. If we get some kind of buckaroo. That's right. <laughs> you know? uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just a great one because, he, he, you know, he can't get rid of the accent entirely, but it's a, he does a fair job. Yeah. Well, and, you know, he's convincingly played a Chicagoan cop, a yeah. Lithuanian sub-captain, uh, Agamemnon, a Greek. Spanish conquistador. A Spanish, yeah, Egyptian. Egyptian, he says. Egyptian, Egyptian yeah. who I'm pretends he's Spanish. I'm Egyptian. Yes. You said you're Spanish. He's 2,000 years old, so... Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, taking it out of Bond, yes, that introduction in Highlander, I am Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, and I am at your service. That's right. That's, you know... It's such an you, amazing... You smell thing. like a dung heap. What That's is right. that bit, too? That's so great uh, with with uh, um, Christopher Lambert. So, I, yeah, yeah this, his part of Highlander really... That this really carries the, the whole deal because Christopher Lambert does not. Um, yeah. The story is good. I do love the story of the original Highlander film. Um, yeah, it blows after that. Yeah. I am it, Connor McLeod of Clan McLeod. Um, I was born in 1518 in the village of Glenfinnan on the shores of Luxiel, and I am immortal. So uh, that's, that's when she's, the Roxanne Hart stabs him, and yeah. then she that's, doesn't that's die, much and Lambert's, then they have uh, sex, and that's really kind of where this goes. Yeah, and, that's Lambert's uh, peak, I think, for that film. So Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, other than Bond. Okay, because, we yeah, Bond is our own, it's, its own thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, now, let me phrase this. Every movie of his I've seen, every movie of his I love, every moment of his I love. Yeah. There's never been, even Zardoz, I, I kind of liked. It was worth <laughs> sitting through. Uh, although it's universally panned as yeah his worst, but I'm gonna in order to wrap us kind of up, I'm gonna take us to his very last movie, mm-hmm. uh, the movie that had him quit Hollywood because uh, he was done. Uh, 2003, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, yes, a movie that has been universally panned yes. in many respects, un- unfairly so, sort of, but very fairly so, a five point sort of. eight on IMDb. Yeah. That's pretty damn low. Yeah, that's correct. There's all sorts of problems with this. It, it it blows the believability out. It is a wasted, wasted opportunity because you know the premise is absolutely rock yeah, solid. Yeah, the premise is cool. And, uh, and Alan he, Moore did a great job with the, with the source material. Uh, and it was it was one of those movies, uh, for that to be his last one, yeah, I'm kind of disappointed. They tried to get him, uh, just a, a little aside, they tried to get him to come back for Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, everybody's glad that, of course, he didn't because... I don't know. Anything would have made, made that movie it better. better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he, re- I remember reading the letter, when because he, he wrote a, a public letter, Sean Connery did, because they wanted him to come back. They were going to pay him whatever he wanted. And he wrote a letter saying, you know, if there's any movie that could ever get me to come back, it would have been an Indiana Jones movie. But retirement is just too much damn fun. So I'm out here on the golf course every day, but I'll be the first in line to buy tickets when you go see the new Indiana Jones. Class act. Yeah, the yeah. man was a class act. He did the right thing. Who else would have done that? Everybody else, you know, just leave me alone. Uh, just to show you how universally panned uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was, yeah. it has a lower rating than Zardoz. Oh, does it really? Sardoz has a 5.9. <laughs> just barely, mind you. Yeah. Just barely over it. But yes. It, yeah. Which is a shame. Which is a shame because it's... It's, it, a, it's, it's got fun moments in yeah. it. Yeah. And one of those moments, of course, is Sean Connery. He's playing, as he says, The Legend of Alan Bloody Quartermain. <laughs> which he dies at the very end. I'm not spoiling anything, for God's sakes. You know, it's almost a 20-year-old movie. Uh, and it was really... It has its, like I said, it has its great moments. But one of those things I really liked was the relationship between him and the character of Tom Sawyer, yeah, Shane West, who um, was kind of playing the surrogate son for him. I wish they had played this up more. It actually would have been better. The, the editing was really awful. The direction was problematic. But you got Sean Connery, and the two of them are out there on the submarine, Captain Nemo's submarine, early, uh, about midway through the movie, uh, towards the beginning. And he tells the story of how Sean Connery, his son, has died. He's this older guy 
uh, whose legend is out, and he's got one more left in him. That's kind of the story, which is kind of the whole point, because to me, that's why I like this movie, is because it's the character he's playing is voicing Connery himself, saying, you know, I got one more in me, I'm going to do this one, and then I'm done. And yeah. Of course, that's how that ends. But the line that I love is, it's the old world versus the new Old Hollywood, at that time, Connery was still representing a, a, a different way of making movies. Uh, the future did not hold up to that. It was very different. And he tells Shane West, when they're out there, he's shooting uh, targets off the yeah. off the bow. And, he, and, he, and uh, he asks him, would you like to learn how to shoot? And he says, I know how to shoot. He says, oh, I've seen you spraying bullets everywhere. Very American of you. I'm talking about pipping the ace at 900 yards and that to me is one of the best lines because that shows the precision of his craft the way that he approached acting it was about being on target at the most impossible odds pipping the ace putting a bullet through the ace of spades at 900 yards that to me was exemplary of the man a real his pro. craft yeah. a real yeah. pro and he's and he's kind of giving voice to him with this younger actor I don't know that he's done much after that. I can't recall him being any, uh, anything like that. I thought he had a great promise. He played the role pretty well. Shane Who West. Was it? Shane West. Uh, he played the young Tom Sawyer in 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 there. But it was really nice to see that. He said, "You know, I am the guy. You're not going to get a better one than me. Let me pass on to you yeah. what I've learned." Yeah, I mean, there is definitely that conflict in Hollywood: uh, the method actor versus the. The pro and it's been going. I mean, yeah, Lawrence I mean, Olivier, Olivier and, Dustin, and Hoffman Dustin Hoffman in Marathon Man. You know, that's kind of like the quintessential story. Yeah, about how that happened. Y'all should Google that. By the way, yeah. it's worth finding. How else would you do it, Larry? Well, acting, acting. That's right, <laughs> my dear boy. Why don't you simply try acting? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, but it's a it's a wonderful. Sean Connery is he will be he is missed. Yeah, he is missed. Yeah. Even though he's been you know he hasn't not working in almost has, twenty years. Yeah, he hasn't worked twenty. His legacy is still that large. Yeah, you could put his entire corpus on the list of movies I have to stop and watch, practically. That's right. You know? That's exactly right, yeah. And that's why I knew when we heard that he'd passed, I said, gentlemen, we've got to do him. We've yeah, got to got do to a, a, a hero's episode for him, and that's yeah. where I think he belongs. Yeah. A man's so, man, a great actor. What was your favorite? Did We We didn't do yours, did we? Sure you did. Highlander. Highlander. Oh, Highlander. Okay, I that's Juan right. Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. Yeah. I'm right. at your service. That's right. And... Uh, and Heather, his wife, goes, who? <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. Heather, yeah. go in the house. So, Francis, buddy, I guess that takes us to what's next. Well, you know, uh, next month's pop culture. Uh, next week. We, that's right. Next, we, <laughs> next week. That's right. Uh, where am I here? Uh, we're we're going do do to do a Do cut you off, bro? No, no, absolutely. Fill, fill me up again, says, I says. Because it's our Christmas episode, guys. Right and dropping on Christmas this time. That's exactly right. It's going to be so uh, much fun. It's because it's kind of become our thing that we always have to do a Christmas episode. Last year we did let's talk about Christmas TV series, which was really kind of in our wheelhouse because we came into ascendancy along with them because they came about. You were born the same year as we Charlie were, Brown. That's right? exactly right. Yeah, so it's kind of like okay, well, the TV TV Charlie Brown. The TV yeah, Charlie, well, the Charlie Brown. Well, Charlie Brown's first was the Christmas special, yes. which was the which was literally I was two months old. Yeah. I was born in September, and here we are. That's when it came out. But we figure we didn't even talk about movies. 
Christmas movies, my lord, that's its whole other thing. We've yep. got to do that. Yep, Christmas movies up next. That's right. We're going we're gonna to talk about the ones we like. I don't know. We might talk about ones we don't like. I don't know. Uh, uh, I suppose anything's possible. I believe we have a debate coming as well. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's true. We've already kind of done a little show prep on this. We've been talking about this one for yes. several months. Yes, but yeah, a little bit of debate. We won't spoil the, the surprise, but there will be a small debate. It's, that's right. You'll enjoy this Christmas episode, we promise you. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.